It is his battle, not ours. Anybody else have trouble remembering that sometimes? Part of it is because we want to do it ourselves. Part of it is because we get distracted. And part of it is, we don't want to admit this, but we don't really trust him sometimes. We don't want to admit that because, I mean, God's God, and of course we trust him, but we act like we don't. And as we're doing this series for this year on It's Time, and I mentioned to you that originally it was going to be for a few weeks, and now I'm fairly certain it's for the year or further, because the list just keeps growing of things it's time to do. Now, it's very possible that this series is for me only. And you just are blessed to be listening to what he's saying to me. Because it's time. We've looked as we've started on time to do some things. And this morning we're looking at one that might be confusing. And that's that it's time to heal. It's time to heal. Now to preach and to teach and to share about healing is rather intimidating, also somewhat confusing, and certainly not easy. But our focus this morning is on the fact that it's time to be healed, and it's time to be a healer for others. Now, whenever you mention healing, most of us seem to go directly to the physical, you might even be thinking, well, of course, what else is there? But healing involves a lot more than that. We generally think of illness, disease, or injury when we think of healing. But I want us to broaden that. Because it's important, but Jesus cares very deeply about healing in these other areas. Relationally healed. Emotional healing. Spiritual healing. Healing of our thoughts and our minds. Healing in so many different areas. I mean, the Bible mentions all these times. You read through the New Testament, especially the four first books, the Gospels as we call them, and it talks all the time about Jesus healing, and most of them are physical healing, but it wasn't the only thing that he addressed. We're looking at a passage this morning in Matthew chapter 20, the end of that chapter in verses 29 through 34. It's where Jesus heals two blind men, and it's an interesting and somewhat odd passage. Not because Jesus is in it, not because he healed someone, but it's what he did before he healed them. Now, Jesus is walking along, traveling, and there's a big crowd, as there almost always was around him. And there were two blind men who were sitting by the roadside. And we know that this must have been a busy road. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sat there because they didn't have handicap laws and all kinds of things like that. So their only means of survival 
was generosity or pity that others took on them to give them things. So they would gather places where a lot of people would go by. So we know from that that this must have been a relatively busy walkway, roadway. Plus, Jesus was there, which meant a whole bunch of other people were there and following him. And as he came by, the men are listening and they hear Jesus's name and they realize that Jesus is the one passing by. So they cry out to him. And the implication in the verses here is that they yelled loudly. They didn't just sit there and go, Jesus. I mean, they were Jesus. We have 11 grandchildren. It's awesome. Some of them are or used to be very loud. And when they gather together, it gets even louder. And as I was studying this, I thought of my youngest granddaughter, because she's always loud. Oh, it's awesome. It's adorable. It's wonderful. But it's always loud. And as I was reading this, I was hearing her voice every time I read this passage. Because you see, the one thing when I am anywhere near her or calling her parents, I always know she's there if she's awake because I can hear her. These guys wanted to make sure Jesus knew they were there, that they were awake, and that they had a need. This is the image and the picture of this, but that's not what's odd about it. What's odd is these men were blind. So if they were asking for Jesus' help or healing touch, it's obvious what they wanted, right? And yet, verse 32, Jesus talks to these men and he asks them the strangest question. They're blind. They're begging beside the road. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? There had to be somebody behind Jesus go, well, duh. To the guy's credit, they didn't do that evidently. If I'm one of the disciples beside Jesus, I have to confess that I might have been one of those who rolled my eyes like, come on. This is an unplanned stop. Our agenda is getting messed up. You know what they want. But he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Now just pause on that question for a moment this morning. And I want you to answer that. What is it that you want Jesus to do for you today? What is it that you are asking from him? Jesus is listening just like he was to these guys. And they answered what we would expect them to. They replied, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And then Jesus touched their eyes and they recovered their sight. 
But it just seems so obvious. Now, you may have what others perceive to be some obvious needs in your life. But how would you answer that question? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? What's your greatest need for healing? Not your most obvious. What's your greatest need? Because what might seem obvious to others is not always the most obvious. You see, Jesus didn't always start with the physical healing. In Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, there was a guy who had obvious physical needs. He could not walk. He couldn't care for himself. He was on a stretcher or a mat. And we read that some men, we generally assume they were friends of his, and we generally assume there were four of them carrying him on this mat. And they knew, just like these blind men, they heard Jesus was there, so they headed to him with their friend on a stretcher, on a mat. The house where Jesus was meeting and teaching was overflowing with people. They couldn't get to Jesus. And just time out a second. That's not true for us. We can always get to him. But these guys wouldn't give up. Seeing this little rope that I keep up here reminds me last year in our Ignite services, Pastor Dave preached from that passage in Luke, talked about being one of those who holds the rope for someone else, imagining that those friends lowered him on a rope. Because you see, when they couldn't get to Jesus, they climbed up on the roof and tore the roof apart. Now, I believe it says in Scripture they, they made a hole in the roof and lowered him through. That had to be a big hole. Okay, we're not talking about it, something that water would drip through. I mean, it had to be big enough to lower a man on a stretcher. They tore that roof up. They lowered him in front of Jesus. And the interesting thing about that is though his need was obvious. Verse 20 of Luke 5. We read, when Jesus saw their faith, that's the friend's faith. And he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. He didn't even address the physical need until others watching scoffed at it. Go, who is he to give him spiritual healing? Not recognizing or admitting that he was the son of God, the Messiah. And then he said, just to show who I am, he said, get up and walk. Guy got up and carried his own stretcher out. Left the hole in the roof. Haven't you always wondered about that? But Jesus recognizes that we have a lot of needs, not just physical needs. So let me ask you again. What do you need Jesus to heal for you today? Do you have spiritual needs you need Jesus to heal? Do you have relational needs where you need his touch in that relationship? Do you have emotional pain that you need Jesus to heal? Or maybe it's physical needs that you need Jesus' touch for. What do you need Jesus to do? 
we're going to focus back on that first passage I mentioned in Luke, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. That's Jesus. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Now the crowd rebuked them. Telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. What do you want me to do for you? Do you want to be healed? That's the question. What do you want Jesus to do? Let me add something to that. Do you want to help someone else be healed? Do you want to be one of those that holds the rope for somebody else? That brings a friend to Jesus? That passage in Luke says, not only did they lower the guy into the house, they lowered him right to Jesus. One of the greatest things you can do for a friend, a loved one, a neighbor, an enemy, whoever, is bring him to Jesus. He's the healer, we're not, but we can bring people to Jesus and we can bring Jesus to them. What an awesome realization and part we get to play. It's time to heal. And it's time to be a healer as well. Now to be healed and to bring healing, there are some simple things we can find from this passage. Not always simple to do, but simple to see. Number one, we need to cry out to Jesus just like those two blind guys did. Just like my granddaughter. We need to cry out, not softly. Now, he, Jesus can hear anything, but part of this, we need to cry out, let him know, I'm serious about this. Lord, this is what I need. Cry out to him. He's listening. He's paying attention. He can handle whatever you bring to him. And let me make sure you understand this. Sometimes we get mistaken and we get hung up and distracted thinking, I have to word this perfectly to say it to Jesus. No, you don't. Just cry out. You don't have to be grammatically correct. You don't have to use good English or English at all. Just cry out to him. It is the meaning behind it, it is the desire that we need to bring. It needs to be from the heart. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out in prayer. Cry out in your posture, humbling yourself before him. Cry out with passion. Do you think there was any emotion in those guys' voice when they hollered? I don't think this was a casual request. They were blind. What do you need Jesus to do for you? 
cry out to him. Let him see the passion. You're feeling the hurt. The scripture tells us so is he for you. You can cry out even in a whisper. I'm not talking about the volume. I'm talking about the honesty and intensity. The passion behind it. Sometimes all we can do is whisper. And sometimes we can't even do that. And I'm here to bring you great news that the scripture tells us God even hears and interprets our groans. As well as our tears. What do you need Jesus to do for you today? We also need to seek mercy. Do you find it interesting that when these guys cried out to Jesus, they said, have mercy on us? They didn't actually say, heal us. They said, have mercy on us. Mercy, undeserved by definition. We don't deserve mercy. It is given to us, though we don't deserve it. When someone has mercy on us, in sports, especially in the lower uh, ages, they quite often have more in baseball and softball. They have what they call a mercy rule. They've introduced it into a couple of other sports. But what it means is one team has gotten so far ahead of the other team, really not much chance of them coming back. So they either cut the game short so as not to embarrass or they, cut the, um, they keep the clock running just to have mercy on the one who's being beat. Well, God has much better mercy than that. It has nothing to do with a clock or a score. It has everything to do with his heart for you. Seek mercy. We don't deserve anything from him but he loves us and gives it to us because of that love and because of his mercy seek mercy not because you deserve it but because God is able and he loves you he gives because he loves you John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave that's the definition of love. You can't love without giving. You can give without loving, though you're not going to do it well or for very long. But you cannot love without giving of your time, of yourself, of what you have. It's what Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us. Seek mercy. Don't claim deserving it because we don't deserve it. But pour out your heart. Cry out to him because he loves you. And because he's able to change situations. For you see what this does when you cry out to him. When you seek mercy. It places the outcome in God's hands. Not yours. I said as we started. Sometimes we try to do things on our own. Because we don't trust God. Now we will never admit to that. But it's what our actions say. Lord I trust you. Let me do this. Those are contradictory statements. <laughs> Lord, I trust you. I'll take care of this. Well, then you don't trust him. Well, sure I do. Well, then let go. But I don't want to. I've been reading and reading through the Bible and Exodus and 
Moses, and especially when Moses got called to go lead the Israelites out. I'm not sure there's in anywhere in Scripture is there a more reluctant leader than Moses. God says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to be with you. And Moses went, yeah, but. And God answered that when he said, yeah, but. And God answered that when he said, yeah, but. And God answered that one, and he said, yeah, but. And finally, Moses got to the bottom line, and he said, I don't want to. Seek mercy. He loves you. Give it to him. Let his mercy and his grace and his love take over. If you could do it, you would have done it. Leave it to him. Put it in his hand. Also, not just cry out to Jesus, not just seek mercy, but we need to ask specifically. See, I think that's why Jesus asked them the question, what do you want me to do for you? They were crying out to him, have mercy on me. And so he's like, well, what does that mean for you? That's a generic prayer. Lord, bless the missionaries. Well, great. How do you know if he answered that prayer or not? Which missionaries? Lord, help me today. In what way? Ask specifically. But <laughs> you need to submit to God's will and God's timing. And with that, all of us groaned. Asking specifically, okay. But submitting it to him. Surrendering. Lord, your will, not mine. Just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just like Mary did when told she was going to be the mother to the Messiah and she couldn't figure out how that could happen. They said, your will, not mine. May it be to me as you have said. Submit to him. To his will, Lord, what do you want? What I'm asking for might not be what you want. So what I want is your will. And maybe even harder than that, or at least for me, is Lord, according to your timing. Now, I, I freely confess that I tell God the timing I think it ought to be. And I do my best to add, <laughs> but your time, not mine. What I've discovered is his timing is general. Well, no, it's always better than mine. I don't always understand it as it happens. But every time I look back, I go, okay, Lord, I get it now. Submit to him, to his will for your life and for this need that you've expressed. And for his timing of it. Then be a conduit for healing in others. A conduit is simply something that holds other things. And allows what is in there to pass through. It can be electrical wiring. It can be all kinds of things. Whatever needs to pass through. It is passing through something known as or in some form of a conduit. 
It is allowing what needs to happen or what's needed to flow through. We need to become a conduit for healing in others. There were people in this story who were blocking the conduit. They told those guys, be quiet. Instead, we need to be a conduit. We need to provide the path for others to get to Jesus like those friends who lowered their friend through the roof. It's not always easy and it's sometimes messy. They tore the roof up. Sometimes it costs something. They had to repair the roof at some point. To be a conduit for healing in others. Bring them to Jesus. Bring Jesus to them. But be one who is a conduit so that others can be healed. Not just yourself. And when that happens, as you're allowing God to flow through you, give God praise and give him all the glory. It belongs to him, not to us. God uses us. And we need to acknowledge it when God uses someone. But that person better be acknowledging that it's God, not them. He deserves all the glory and the praise. We thank others for being, allowing themselves to be used by God. But it's his praise. It's his glory that should come from that. Give God praise. And just on a side note here, I have noticed for me, healing is a lot more likely if I'm giving him praise than if I'm whining. It's a lot more likely if I'm giving him praise rather than just focusing only on the need. Um, her name was Teresa. She was a single mom who'd been abandoned with her baby. She was a school teacher and she attended the very first church where I served. Her son had some... Um, Challenges in his life. Great kid, but had challenges. She's raising him. Cancer hit. Hit hard. She was in the hospital. I remember going to visit her. And I walked in, I'm bracing myself. It was early in my ministry. It was the first church where I served. I wasn't worried about fainting in case some of you were wondering <laughs> on that occasion. But it's like, what do I say? A single mom who's still got a teenage son who has needs. I remember going, praying as I went, okay, Lord, give me the right words. To be honest, I really didn't need to bother with that prayer. Because I walked in, after several minutes when I walked out, I went, I'm not sure I said anything. She just ministered to me. I remember walking out and feeling so good and then going, wait a minute. I came here to lift her up. It was the opposite. And what was interesting is I talked to a dozen other people who went to visit her. And everyone said the exact same thing. 
So I went there to try to encourage her. Instead, I was encouraged. When you leave it in God's hands, amazing things can happen, even in tragedy. Amazing things can happen, even when it's not what we would have desired or wished for. Give God the praise and all the glory and bring others to Jesus. Those two go together, by the way. Because if you're giving God praise, it'll draw people to Jesus. The world is used to people giving themselves praise. Or praising someone else so they can get something. But to just give praise because someone deserves. And he deserves it. Will always attract people. You can be part of their healing simply by giving God praise. And then last... Obey whatever God directs. We don't see God directing in this passage in Matthew, but we do in the one in Luke. He told the guy, get up, take your mat, and go home. You go, well, what, what was he really? Well, I mean, get up. The guy had been laying there a long time. That might have even sounded cruel at first. Get up. Yeah, right. I can't. Well, get up, give it a try. He got up and then he said, go home, but take your mat with you. Your friend's already made a big enough mess. Take your mat with you. Lazarus coming out of the tomb. I always think we ignore an important part. Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. He didn't have to come out of the tomb, but he did. In fact, in his case, he had a lot of reasons not to. He was still wrapped up. <laughs> Plus, all the people have been talking trash about him that he stunk. Just think about that one for a moment. Obey whatever he directs when he answers you. And you give him your answer for the question. What do you need Jesus to do for you? Let's stand together. I don't know what you need Jesus to do for you. I might think I know because something seems obvious. But as we saw in scripture, the obvious is not always the greatest need. But I'm confident that many of you have something to answer when asked, what do you need Jesus to do for you? Question is, will you let him do it? Question is, are you crying out? Question is, will you obey whatever he asks you to do? Jesus, thank you. For loving us too much to leave us the way we are. Thank you for loving us so much that you desire for our healing. Lord, guide us that we might even have the focus on the wrong thing that needs healed first. We probably have the wrong timing because we're always in a hurry for ourselves. 
Lord, help us to answer that question. What do we need or want you to do? And Lord, help us to not just stay focused on the need we have, but may we be a conduit, may we be a channel, may we be a vessel that you can flow through to bring healing to others. May we be ones who hold the rope for some friends so they can get to you. May we be one who lives in such a way that what we do and say points people to you. Father, I pray in this moment that each heart here or listening online would take the moment to answer that question, what do we want you to do? for us what do we want you to do in the lives of a friend or loved one a neighbor a co-worker a classmate the lord help us to obey whatever you say lord i give you praise for healing that's going to take place i pray for wisdom and courage to follow what you show us this week. But you get all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.